Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about setting goals as players and how it's actually good for the players and the game master. Yeah, it's it's something that is kind of critical in most of our conversations. But before we get too much into it, Chris, how you doing? You been playing any cool games lately? Yeah, I've, uh, I spent a lot of time lately uh, prepping uh, a two-shot uh, for uh, like kind of a heist theme where I had to create uh, a lot of new characters and I had to really introduce Roll20 to my players, including you. Uh, so we were halfway there. We did once. Um, how did you find it? It was fun. I, I really enjoyed playing a more simple-minded character. Usually my characters are <laughs> have a lot going on and it's uh, it's it's a big mental exercise on my part when I'm playing them. It's fun, but it can be challenging. And uh, it was nice to kind of take a back, take a step back and play more of a, you know, one. He, he was kind of one dimensional, but yeah, uh, yeah. And, and that's kind of like uh, the idea I had is I was taking, I was looking at all your characters and I was trying to play opposite of that, right? To use this two shot just to like. <laughs> change it up a little bit and you have a very evolved wizard with a lot of complex emotions so I went the opposite and I gave you a dumb ogre who just wants to eat <laughs> uh, which is not great for like a 15 game campaign but for a two shot yeah it was uh, good I, and I think too it had like it was an exercise on restraint <laughs> yeah because I couldn't just go around eating everything all the time. I, I otherwise I'd be stealing spotlight and all that. So it was it was good to just you know do it here and there as comedic relief and and still try to you know help show spotlight to other people. I thought it was a interesting exercise. Nice. And uh, how about you? Are you working on anything role play wise or? I've been crafting a lot. Um, I've been using the the Proxon. That you guys, uh, you and and all of our friends got me for my birthday last year. I love that thing so much. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've been crafting and I've been giving it a lot of thought about how I'm going to reboot my campaign or not reboot, but you know how we're going to play in, in my campaign. And I'm 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 teetering on the the edge of maybe waiting until we're we're all able to see each other again. I I still have to I still have to think about it some more. I know originally, Chris, I, I told you and a couple of our players that we would probably play online, but I'm I'm worried about what that's going to do to the main plot and especially with the crafts that I'm making. How maybe I could take this time to really really make some cool immersive mm -hmm. stuff for when we do. When we, when we are able to meet up again in the future. So I'll, I'll see. I'll have to play yeah, it. I, I think that's uh, that's interesting. And I think I, I would love to know about like other people because I think I, I've also been in that situation where I had to evaluate what would be the effect of moving to another platform like Rogue 20. So if, if any of the listeners have this like dilemma, I'd love to, to know what was your conclusion. For me, because I had this heist like in a kind of like in the fortress, I, I felt like I, I started crafting like wood floors to, to build a manor, but it was way easier to do it on Roll20, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it really depends what you're trying to do, right? There's So yeah, I think, uh, I think it's a valid 
thing to think about. And yeah, all of this is part of the game master responsibility, like figuring out uh, how the game is going to go and are you actually going to switch roll 20 or not or whatever other system you're using. Um, but today we talk more about the player responsibility in in maybe thinking of their characters and how they're going to move forward. And something that I've noticed, Chris, a lot of the time when we ask a player to think about their player character, their gut reaction is to go and think about their background, their past. But the problem with that, I think, is that we're playing in a game that's not in their past. The game is happening now and into the future. So I think players should be more forward-thinking. So today's episode is going to be a resource for people, game masters, and players who are looking at the future of their character. We're going to give you tools to plan out goals, objectives, as a player, as a game master, when you're thinking of NPCs, and also just, you know, this taking it all and putting it into a, a cool story arc. Yeah, and I, I think to maybe like a selling point to think about is the fact that your future that we're talking about should be more interesting than your past. Otherwise, you should be playing your past. So keeping that in mind, it's moving exactly what you said, moving the focus to, the, to what's actually going to happen in the future. So this episode at the start, we'll be talking to the player and fleshing out this idea of how, how do we bring that forward. But all along, it's, it's things that can be helpful for the game master. Especially if, you, if you're a game master and you're listening to this, I encourage you to, if you find it interesting, send it to your players so that they can work that in and then come back to you uh, with what they found out. And actually, at the end of this uh, episode, we'll talk about how this can work together to really elevate the story uh, in building story arcs. So I think that sets the stage nicely, Chris. Are we ready to do this thing? Yeah, let's do it. All right, players. So we're going to focus a little bit on you guys here first. So to be able to achieve that forward-thinking role play that we were mentioning and really making the next, you know, several games of your campaign interesting and have your character be invested in it, the first step for you to do is to think of a long-term objective for your character. It's kind of like a, a personal to-do list or a, a big objective that they're striving for at every moment. Yes, so uh, maybe you're a wizard and your goal is to get uh, a certain spell, like get the final scroll of a certain spell, and then you have to see this as it, it will take more than five games. It might take more than ten games. Yeah, uh, maybe you're like a rogue who is seeking vengeance on uh, a, a betrayal that happened to you and you want to go kill a target. Maybe that's... Yeah. Like and I like that example. Sorry, and I and I like that example because uh, it, it brings the background. Like we say, like don't concentrate on the background. It's okay to be anchored in your background, in your backstory, but take that and make that an objective, a long term objective. Yeah, you've been betrayed, but what? Like, what does it matter? What? How are you going to act because of that? Well, it's because now you have an objective linked to your backstory. It could be linked to your backstory or it could not be linked to your backstory. But what mm -hmm. we say is that the important part is having this long-term objective. Once you've defined that long-term objective to yourself, it's then breaking it down into kind of manageable chunks. You know, getting vengeance 
on the duke and killing the duke that betrayed your family is kind of a is it's it's hefty it's a big thing to try and do all at once but maybe you can get in the good graces of his court and that would be your first step towards your long-term objective and we're going to call those short-term objectives uh so yeah. i think that's the you know think of your long-term and then think of maybe one or two steps forward that your character can take to achieve that long-term objective. If we go back to the example of the wizard uh, who wants to acquire a spell that might be forbidden or rare, well, maybe the first step is doing research, but he needs to have access to a specific library. So now it's getting the proper paper to get access to this library to do the research. And then once you do the research, you it will fuel your next short-term objective. And every time you go ahead, you you get closer and closer to your long-term. But what's great with that is that this short-term gives you a lot of, of information on how you are going to and have seen in your game. Yeah, it's, it's really going to kind of educate your decisions and give you a little bit of a of a background, right? It's hard to jump into a game and always be reactive. It's nice to have kind of some ammunition up your sleeve so that when you do talk to someone like an NPC or maybe a player character as this wizard, you can, you know, oh, I'm new to town. Is there a library here? Is there maybe a, another wizard here that, that I could go speak to? And it, it kind of gives you this extra meaning behind every interaction and every scenario that you find yourself in. Yeah, every time every time you see an opportunity, you already have your, your eyes open uh, for whatever your game master put in front of you, for you to use that to go towards uh, an objective. And you can see right away that this is a great way to build an arc, right? Uh, but it's not the responsibility of solely the game master to to like bring you to a cool uh, a cool finish, it's the player, at least partly the player responsibility to have their eyes open. For that, you have to know where you're going. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's not always easy, right, to, to think of where you're going. So I think I, I really like the way you said, Chris, that you can start and anchor it with something that's in your background, right? That's that's the that's kind of where you're hero finds themselves right now that's their current state of mind so maybe take something from your background maybe take something from the game world you know if if there's a a, a tribe of bandit ogres that keep attacking a small village and you want to make that your long-term objective is to like eradicate or, or g give peace to this small village your game master is going to be i think ecstatic that you're taking something from their game world and adding it as an objective to your hero. Um, yeah, that, I think that's a very valid point, not to just create those objectives in a vacuum, but really relate them to what is going on in the, in the universe you're in. Something too, Chris, that I think that I like to try to do when I'm coming up with these long-term and short-term objectives for my heroes and, and characters is to try and focus on how my character needs to evolve to attain that. Or, or maybe when they attain that, what's going to happen to them? For instance, if we take this example of the, of the rogue, if that was my character, 
And my long-term objective was to assassinate the person who betrayed my, my family. I, I should start thinking about what kind of evolution that's going to make my character go through in terms of a person, right? If, if I finally get vengeance on this, on this individual, what does that mean about my, my, my motivations, my life? When I, when I, when I achieve that, am I just as bad as they are because now I've killed the father of a family? Like, I, I want to think about all of these, these emotional triggers that my character might go through to be able to make sure that they are able to make that character growth when it happens. Maybe yeah. trade in a flaw for, for something else uh, or, or change a, an aspect of my background. Yeah, I think we, we, we consume a lot of stories, uh, either TV or whatever, where the, the protagonist has a clear objective in mind. And often when they get to actually achieving this objective, they realize that's not really what they wanted to do. So by setting up this long term, we don't mean that it actually going to happen. It just means that you have a direction for your character. And I often like when as a game master, I often think of like what's the best case scenario and what's the worst case scenario for characters. And you can think of this as if the if the the, the this objective is actually not um, how do I say that righteous. Uh, maybe the evolution of your player character is to not fulfill this long term, but still you have a direction and you can link that to the flaw. Maybe like being blinded by vengeance is your long term doing this vengeance for the rogue, but your flaw is you're blinded by vengeance. How is this flaw going to evolve as you move through the ranks of this evil baron? I don't remember what you said, the count or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and something maybe to put here uh, in that Matt you just like kind of mentioned is that the flaws, if you're playing D&D, if you have your bond, ideal, and flaws, these are not static. These don't need to be static. Uh, I feel like if you have this long term and you go through different changes in your life, you have to feel comfortable being like, you know what, this flaw I had at the beginning is no longer valid, but I have a new one to replace it. And probably ask uh, the permission of your game master if that's the kind of game you're running, uh, you're playing, but feel free to erase that or at least modify it so that it really shows what you're going through right now. Yeah, and, and I like that you said, Chris, that it's it's just a direction that you're taking, right? It's, it's not the end-all, be-all. You're not scripting what your character is going to be doing. You're just giving them some you're just planning it. You're really just planning out of character what where you want the character to go so that you can give purpose and direction to the interactions that they're having. So I think yeah. it's important to, to, to really make that distinction here, guys. You're not... If, you're, if your long-term goal is to kill the Baron, for instance, in this example, you're not saying you're going to do it. You're just... St taking strides to get there and maybe after two or three steps in that direction you realize something and then you 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 decide mm, i think i need a new long-term goal i need to reevaluate the the objectives that i've set for my character yeah it might be because you evolve into like you've learned new things like you said or maybe it's just something else came up in the world 
that is more pressing. Let's say you want to kill that Baron, blah, blah, but then a dragon attack a town, uh, and then the, like, the, the, the game change, the campaign changes. Don't have blinders on and try to just focus on this long term. This is a direction, but feel free to modify. And that's why we talk about evolution of PC. This long term is your focus at this instant, but it's not, again, it's not fixed. And um, I was going to just say, Chris, I, I think that yeah. a good time to do that check in is whenever you meet one of your short term objectives. So mm -hmm. if your first short term objective in this example is to become a member of the court for this, this baron okay you do that you you get in you bribe someone and now you're part of the court now come out of character for a second and think about your character's bonds your flaws the aspects that define your your character and see if any of those things have changed now now that you're there and you've talked to people in the court and you realize something or you have a revelation or or maybe like you said chris something else is happening in the game world if, thing, if everything's still all lined up and good and dandy, keep it all the same. But I think that each short-term objective is a good check-in on who your character is. And maybe you can make changes to your character at that time. Yeah, and I think I think you should, right? Uh, if you learn that the Baron is not actually the bad guy, your long-term will definitely change. Or maybe they have their hands on someone you care about, then this long-term might... Anyway, any information, you, I think you can imagine any information could modify this long term because otherwise it wouldn't be a good tool to fix it. And um, something maybe to, a question for you, Matt, actually, um, I think I have my opinion on this, but how how would you characterize the long term and the short term in terms of maybe number of games or is is there a way to... To know how many games it should take for, let's say, a short-term objective. That's an interesting question. I I think people's gut reaction is definitely longer than it should be. That that's what I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna. That's gonna be my first uh, first caveat. Is that people? I think when you think of your long-term objective and even short-term objectives, they're gonna rifle off things like four in real life years. To me, that's way too long. Um, I think if I had to put a number on it right at the second, and my opinion might change, but a long-term objective should be something like probably maybe 20 games. Yeah, I, th I think the, the uh, 20 makes sense, but I think it depends a lot on how big the party is, now yeah, that I think about it. Because I, I, I have a game with my brother and two of his friends, and with three people, I can kind of like go from one to the other and give a lot of focus and um, advance these short terms. I think I get short terms done every two or three games for almost every, like each of them. Mm -hmm. And long terms, long terms for me is kind of like a, a season, like a campaign arc. And 20 games make a lot of sense. I'd say between 12 and 20 yeah. Would make sense. For, I for, wonder, for as a game master, and now we're going into some stuff that we haven't even considered yet, Chris. But should a game master aim to achieve at least one of their players' short-term objectives every game or two? 
Like, is that kind of the barometer here, you think? Uh, I would, I, I'd say keep it in mind for sure. I mean, yeah. these, I, for these objective for me, and we're going to go back to like the game master link to everything, but is a great way for the player to educate, no, maybe not educate, inform their game master on what they wish could happen at least. Yeah. So if you do a short term every 10 games, it means that for 10 games, it, I think here's a caveat. I think it's if it advances towards an objective, it's fine. But if like the game master is like not taking, like it's not advancing any of the objective and like every 10 games he's like, okay. And then he does one episode related to the actual objective. That's a problem, right? Yeah. So I, I guess right now we're talking a bit about like their game master um, responsibility with these, but yeah. In my mind, it's more about like the player needs to have an idea of how long it should take, just so you have an idea of what to set. If your short term is to become king, and then the long term is to become the ruler of the world, it's not really useful. I yeah, yeah, I, I don't think it's useful either. I, I think really the purpose behind these objectives is to give you, as a player, some ammunition when you're interacting with the game world. So it it needs to be relevant. It needs to be related and vice versa, right? By being related or relevant in the game world that you're playing, you're going to make the game more interesting. You're going to contribute to this collaborative storytelling in, I think, a more meaningful way. Um, speaking of contributing, do you think, Chris, that this is something that ought to be a party decision? Like, how, how much should we be considering, as a player, the rest of the party's goals and objectives and opinions when we're setting our characters' short-term and long-term goals? I think there's a lot there. I'll, I'll, I'll say what I, I'll do, but I think there's a lot of variant there. But I like to have the personal short-term and long-term be... Um, not in a position so so that it works together. It all goes in the same direction, but they want different thing out of uh, out of this direction. That's how I do it with my my, my brother, uh, my brother's game. And in the and I also like to have this short term and long term for the party. So each player have their own objective, but the party also have like. And when I mean they have it, I mean they have it written down. They talked about it here and often it's going to go organically to be like okay as the party we're going to go there i think in dnd and a lot of role-playing game that's kind of like the default which is great yeah but yeah. what we're saying is here have it what have it also for your characters uh and just maybe like a precision um little sorry may like let me start over <laughs> in warhammer fourth edition which is what i run for my 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 brother there's a mechanic for that it actually relates to xp so if you fulfill your short term, you have, I don't remember exactly what it is. I think it's 50 XP or maybe 100. If you do your long term, it's 500. And once you reach a long term, you can either continue and getting this, this XP or you can retire your character and um, get this, this new character will have more XP to start with. So uh, I just want to, full disclosure, this is actually in the mechanic of some role-playing game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, let me throw back the question at you, Matt. What do you think in terms of these objectives? How should they relate to the party? Well, I, I think you're 
I, I like the way you, you said it, Chris, where you said they ought to be different, but not against one another, right? It, if one player's objective, if reaching one player's objective means that a different player has to fail theirs, that kind of puts the party at odds, which, I mean, maybe some people like that. I certainly don't. Uh, and I don't think that that's the, the intention of role, of most role-playing games, especially in D&D. In D&D, you're a team that works together to, like you said, to defeat the bad guy or save the, save the town or whatever. So that's, like you said, the party's objective. And if your character can have a different dimension of what they want to get out of this that complements that, I think that's the right that's the right direction to take. But yeah, let's say that there can you can you do that with the example of the rogue? Like what would be like a party that this rogue killing the baron would be part of this whole uh, party direction? Yes, so I I'm thinking maybe the rogue is I'm sorry, not the rogue. Maybe the baron is is part of this like shadow council or shadow government that the whole party is trying to take down. Or or maybe the 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 Baron is secretly, um, I mean that now we're entering into the the game master's responsibilities to to try and tie it all together. But I, I think an example of what not to do is if this Baron ends up being an important good character, an important good figure in aiding the party towards achieving their quest. I don't think that killing them off to achieve the the rogue's objective. Is necessarily a good thing. Um, I mean, it could create good tension, but the character playing the rogue should play it as this tension and this like fuel the role play and everything, and not just kill it and be like, "Hey, I win!" Right? That's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. And and it kind of links to like a you 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 tweeted something the other day uh, about about these long term objective, I think, and you said to, you told me that. Play, uh, people were uh, responding in a way that you did not expect. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had a lot of people mention that their long-term objectives kind of went against the party in a very like blatant way. Like, it was like, oh, I want my character to be extremely mischievous to the point where I'm going to end up betraying the party at the end and, and just retiring them. And and I think that that's probably not a smart decision. I, I, if I was playing in a game and one of my fellow players did that, I would feel upset about it. You know, like, it's. I don't think you should be striving for your long-term objective to be a betrayal of the party. This yeah. being said, it might still happen. You know, if if you're a wizard who's teetering on experiments that are very forward-thinking. I mean, I don't want to jump into Star Wars lore, but like, if, if you're a Jedi, and you get tempted by the dark side, and you, you become a Sith, that's... that's it's a, it's a possibility, right? It's, it's, it's the failure of your long-term objective. Um, you, you look at Darth Vader as, a, as an example of this, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Anakin wasn't striving for that all along. 
Yeah, and I think that's the, the perfect example. I think a lot of people know about Star Wars. So it's the perfect example of a character. The long term of Anakin is saving his wife. That's that's his objective. He never meant to be Darth Vader, mm-hmm. but by failing at it, he so so this betrayal is actually a consequence of a a, a positive objective, right? So I think I think that's the perfect example to illustrate that your long term should not be the betrayal. It should be maybe something risky. Mm-hmm. but something that is ultimately for the good of the party, which means that they will work with the party until it becomes, a, I guess, a satisfying end to that character. And something that I think is important here too, when we think about the party, Chris, I, I don't think we should be keeping our our, our objectives too secret. I, I think a, a gut instinct for players is to keep their cards close to their chest but i i think it just adds to the role play it adds to the game if this rogue you know talks to the party cleric and tells them you know oh when we get into that mansion i'm gonna kill that baron he's gotta go down and then you know there could be a little bit of friction that the cleric can say oh no you should let him we should capture him we should bring him to, to justice and he'll get his rightful punishment and there can be this back and forth and there can be this drama right and it allows all of the players at the table to kind of contribute in their own way to helping you get to that objective yeah i, th- I think right now you're, you're touching a little bit on so so what we're talking about with these objective is we're, we're setting up the foundation for a lot of things we'll talk uh later and this is kind of like the surface of it like we're going to talk about being gift-giving and that how it relates to these objectives, how to do a motivation role-play and how it relates to those objectives, and how to do some preluding. So all of these three are like very, I would say, advanced role-play um, techniques that are based on having those short-term objectives and sharing them at least partly with your party, as you're, as you're saying. Because now that you do this, if you know the objective of, your your fellow party member you can interact with them regarding those objective positively or negatively and how it relates to your objective and that's uh an example of how to be gift giving and we'll go in more detail in other episode about this because we want to concentrate on on setting these objective but know that it it's not the end it's the beginning yeah yeah it's okay to share those thoughts because it's there's just going to be another short-term objective right around the corner. Um, I think I think right now we, we we have a good idea of the potential it gives, but I'd like to take at, uh, this moment to say how... So someone is listening to us. It's like, okay, all, all, all well and good, but how do I do it? Like where I have no idea I'm, I'm, I'm starting or I've never role-play with these kind of objective. What's a good way to just get it going? Yeah, and I think there's actually a lot of really cool resources out there. Um, and one of the ones that I think is probably the simplest to use is to look up character archetypes. There, you know, in the writing universe, there are a dozen. They're almost like stereotypes for for characters. The hero, the rebel, the villain, the rogue. They're, these are all archetypes of a of a type of 
character who has strengths, who has weaknesses, and there's kind of an arc that that archetype will often follow in media and in, in, in books and TV shows. So I, yeah, I think if you're not used to thinking of these long-term and short-term objectives, a good place to start is to look up the different archetypes that exist, pick one for your character, or that matches your character the best, and then use the the strengths and weaknesses and the kind of direction that that arc is going to take them, the, the archetype is going to take them, to inspire what your long-term and short-term objective ought to be. Yeah, you can, you can look it up like this. You can just think of some of the characters that you see in the media. Or, I mean, if you're playing D&D, which I assume it's most of you guys, uh, classes are archetypes, right? There are common things that Rogue go through. There are common things that Paladin go through. Yeah, um, yeah. Even so, the background, you know, the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons added this concept of a background. So you mm -hmm. could maybe be a hermit who's very isolated and who lives in a temple and there's all of this baggage that comes with your character. That is perfect source material for, for you to look and say, okay, I'm going to use this as my starting point to achieve a long-term goal. Yeah, and there's a so we were talking about the class, the background, and all also ideal bond and flaws are are great for that. And like we said, they shouldn't be static, but they if you start with one, you can base your at least part of your evolution and thus your objectives upon uh, on those. Um, I think once you you've read maybe some archetypes, think of some characters, look at your background, your flaws, and everything you'll have an idea of where you where you can go. And all of this is all well and good, but once you get through that, maybe you'll have more fun actually going counter archetype, subverting. If we take the example of a wizard, uh, maybe normally the wizard is very intelligent, has to go through uh, not being so weak uh, physically and the struggle of that. That would be maybe the archetype, but maybe it's more interesting to be like, you know what, my wizard will feel intellectually inadequate compared to the other ones because he thinks uh, the rogue is very street smart and he thinks that the ranger is uh, so great in the wilderness and has like so many knowledge about plants and he's just reading books it's not really maybe he feels like this is not being smart anybody can read books or at least can learn to, to, to read books while the other ones have a different kind of intelligence that make him feel inadequate well that is kind of like counter what you expect as this archetype of a wizard and can make a more multi-dimensional character. Yeah, so I think this gives you guys a pretty good understanding of the ben not the benefits, but the, 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 the what kind of objectives and planning we're talking about. And also it gives you a good starting point. If you have questions though about all of this, don't, don't be afraid to reach out to us. If you have a character that you're playing and you're having a hard time come up with coming up with you know your short-term or long-term objective feel free to send us an email or or even i'm feel free to talk to your game master about it i'm sure you'd make them so happy that you're coming you're trying to come up with this kind of stuff and uh we'll i, I think end this this section chris with a little warning and that mm -hmm. warning is don't try to plan everything though you know, when you look at a movie and you see the archetype from A to Z, the, the, the arc 
that Anakin took, for instance. Sure, we could break that down into a whole bunch of short-term objectives with one long-term objective, and then you could make your character live through that. But then you're not really playing the game anymore, are you? You're basically just going through the motions of, of this, this linear path that's kind of predetermined. And that's, that kind of goes against the point of role-playing games. So I, I want to stress this idea that come up with a long-term objective, come up with the next step, the, the short-term objective that your character needs to, to try to achieve, and continuously reevaluate re this, taking one step at a time, maybe looking a couple of steps forward, and remember that, again, you're not scripting your character. You're just looking for a direction. Yeah, if we take the example of Anakin, if if you're playing Anakin in like the first episode, your your goal might be to get out of Tatooine. Uh, in the first, did I say first? Yeah. Anyway, that, in the first episode, in the second one, it might be at one point there's like this whole vengeance with um, his mother. Well, you're not planning to have a crazy dream about your wife dying in as your next short term, right? You're you're thinking of this short term right now. And don't expect your game master to tell you what's going to happen in the future for you to map it out. That's that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about you have this short term that will educate how you feel. That when you talk to Palme, you'll be frustrated and you'll be angry because of how you feel um, weak in front of this situation that's happening to your to your mother. Um, so yeah, so so we're talking think locally but like only what's happening right now. But keep in mind maybe where it can go long-term. Could Anakin actually save his wife? Yes, maybe. Could he fail to the dark side, uh, uh, fall to the dark side? Yes, and that's what happened, right? That is the long-term we're talking about, but keep it uh, short-term in, uh, in your mindfulness, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I let's let's quickly, Chris, talk a little bit about game masters and what game masters can do with all of this. Um, and and we're running a little bit long, I think. So let's let's try to make this a little bit quicker. So game masters, if your players come to you with some of these objectives, they say, "Hey, my next objective is to infiltrate the court of this baron, because my long term objective is to." to assassinate him and get vengeance on my, you know, get revenge for his, for him killing my brother or whatever. That's great. What's the game master going to do with this information, Chris? Yeah, I think, I think this way, this is where the game master can actually take that information and build arcs around it. So the objective is really like, it's quantifiable. It's, I want to kill that. I want to get that heirloom. I want to achieve this. Well, a game master wants to move the story that in the direction that in that direction but maybe wants to give it nuance i think that's the role of the game master taking this and being like okay how can i challenge their way to this objective and this is building an arc if you know that they're going to kill they want to kill the baron it's going to be like okay what if uh this theme is um the price for vengeance. So you build a theme around it that the price for vengeance, and you can now have actually missions all along all along the way with that. Like every time 
the player tries to advance, they have to make it, maybe not every time, but like some part of the path is making a decision on what are you willing to give to get the opportunity to get your vengeance. And that is an arc. And then it, it becomes interesting, I think, or that's already really interesting. But what's cool is that you have not just one person, you have three or four or five players at your table. And hopefully they're coming up with their own short-term and long-term objectives, all related to the game that's going on. So if you can find a way to tie in several short-term objectives into one sub-arc, and, and the ultimate finale of the whole campaign has a resolution of maybe one, two, or three of the other characters' long-term objectives, then you start to have these essentially these arcs, these, these big thematic coverings of your game, of your story, that each individual character has their resolution for their own components, and then the sum of those parts makes the, the campaign. Does yeah, that make sense, and, and <laughs> it, it makes total sense, but I think that the, I mean, I'm not sure how, how the listener maybe feels about how do you do this, right? Yeah. And that's that's kind of like the difficulty, and I think it's where game mastering is an art form, is taking those objectives and where you see your character going and kind of like putting it together in an interesting way and subverting expectation and all of that. And so maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe an example there uh, from from my game right now, it might be a spoilers for a while ago, like a, in a lot in the future that we talk, we, blah, blah, we may talk about this in the future. That's all I meant. Um, Diedrich wants to go on top of a mountain to get more powerful. Let's keep it at that. And you have to kill a monster for him to get some kind of artifact. Well, Randall wants to be better at medicine and start a medicine school. Well, what if at the top I just don't I don't just put what Diedrich wants, but also something Randall wants? Uh, maybe he knows it. Maybe he don't. He doesn't. Once they get there, maybe he Randall has to choose between getting what he wants and actually helping Diedrich. Or maybe they work together, and now he's more committed to this to the story. He not only helps Diedrich, he also gets what he wants. So once they s succeed at that, Diedrich is um, feels fulfilled by the story, but also Randall does. Um, so that would be two arcs that work together, for instance. Um, yeah, and I don't and know I if think that's it's, helpful, but it's, you it's... can do something similar. It's really hard because it's so subjective, not subjective, it's so circumstantial, um, mm -hmm. you know, on the game, the setting, the characters, and their stories. But, but I think what, what you want to try to do as a game master is to take some of these objectives and dissect them a little bit. Maybe one objective is a very concrete, you know, obtaining a staff or, or, or going to the top of the mountain to summon a demon, or not a demon, a summon the power to i'm getting confused go to the top of the mountain to get a staff let's just stick with that yeah. <laughs> go to the top of the mountain to get a staff is one character's objective it's very concrete but maybe the challenge that that character and the rest of the party needs to go through to get the staff 
has another character go through an emotional revelation that they need to achieve their next objective. So you're kind of ticking off a couple of different boxes all at the same time. It, it, it doesn't need to necessarily be like, oh, you get a staff, and you get a staff, and you get a staff. But it can be like you said, Chris, it can be the wizard gets his staff. Maybe the healer has to make a really complicated decision to, to, to help the party. And maybe a fighter in the party who's normally considers himself immortal finds himself in a situation where he's extremely hurt and is faced by his mortality. And all three of those things push the characters in the same, not the same direction, but forward in the, the long-term objective that they're trying to achieve. Yeah, and, and that's where it's very difficult because there's a lot of moving pieces. But that's, at least that's what I, I try to do when I prep an encounter or a session. I usually have a core maybe like centered around one character and then I'm like, how can this relate in any way to the other ones? And I try to add things, uh, maybe specific monsters, specific allies, or specific rewards that will bring the other characters' motivation and objective in. Um, like as an example, in this combat, uh, there was dwarves, and one of the characters promised to not have any of those dwarves die. Well, in the middle of combat, the big creature, a shagat, took one of the dwarves and just threw him down the mountain. Now it's like, do I continue fighting or do I try to go see if he's alive and maybe save him? Or how do I feel? Do I start raging because I feel like I fail my objective? Like all of this is something happens in the middle of combat that the player can now respond and they're already equipped to because they have their short terms and they have their long term. Yeah, and, and I think something, uh, a, a piece of advice for the Game Masters is you don't necessarily need to take the objective that the character is giving you verbatim, right? You can work with your player and say, hey, like, I know you're trying to do this, but what if we, you know, made it the same version but twisted a little bit so that it meets the, the, the campaign or the setting? And sorry, I have to sneeze. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> one more one more <coughs> okay sorry about that um yeah so so you know if all the objectives are if you put a lens on those objectives so that they're all kind of in the same realm and they're, they're all how am i saying this how, how am i trying to say this they're all related, I guess, to to the overarching campaign that the game master has going on, to the world, to the NPCs that are that are surrounding them. I think it becomes a little bit easier. Yeah, and that that's where I I think we can't do it for you. <laughs> like I'd say, you can have a sheet with all these objectives written down and see how they can relate. I like to do, I watch TV sometimes and I just think of my characters and I write things down and how, and once in a while I'll hit something and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. They're all going to focus there and they're all going to have something to gain out of it. And that's, it, I also help with um, like party cohesion, right? But maybe we can talk about also like what makes a good arc? Like this, this is, 
we're talking about it all working together, but what is a good arc? What 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 does the game master should think about when building an arc, and what does it? How do we map up? Yeah. I know what, what you're what, trying to say, Chris. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't what, talk today. what makes a good arc? Um, yeah. And obviously, that's also subjective. But to me, a good arc is something that's memorable. It's something that has some drama in it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I want my party to still be kind of this united front against something. Uh, I think there needs to be a sense of accomplishment. There needs to be a sense of struggle, right? Because otherwise the accomplishment doesn't feel deserved. Um, and, and I think uh, one of the biggest things is that everyone's having fun. So whatever fun is for your table you you gotta make that a key component of your arc. If everybody at your table loves bashing down the door and chopping up monsters, make that make that a part of the make it you know make it a, a, a pivotal part of the arc. Have this cool moment where they're fighting at each corner of the room and, and this big like dramatic fight scene. That that could be that could be neat. Um like a highlight kind of. I, I don't know. It's not an easy question, though, Chris. It's it's kind of loaded. What do you think? I think um, I think I agree with you. I think a, a good arc needs to be there's struggle. That's where the game master comes in, takes an objective, adds struggle on it, and you have an arc, <laughs> almost. Mm -hmm. uh, like, like you said, and I think it. We just said that it should work some somewhat with the party, not be the goal is betraying. I think that's what we we said before. So the arc is not at the end. There's a they're gonna fail, um, and uh, yeah, I it's it's I like to think of it as what is the price they are willing to pay to get what they want. If they're looking for their sisters. Are they willing to kill someone? Are they willing to go against the law? Or if they want power, are they willing to risk uh, getting corrupted by it? Like, what's what's the limit there? And once you reach that, that's when the characters really start getting defined. Like, character development really comes in when the the like as a game master, I force the players to face those decisions, mm -hmm. to, to make those decisions, face those problems. It, it, that's, that's for me, the core of an arc. Give me an objective and I'll try to make you um, doubt, is that really what you want? <laughs> but I play in Warhammer, which is supposed to be like more grim. I know some players, uh, some people play that in D&D, &D, but like some D&D campaigns are more like heroic and maybe don't have these kind of like struggle but that's just my preference yeah yeah i i think there's a lot there and, and i think honestly we could probably shoot a whole episode on just arc creation and, and making good arcs so let's maybe save some of that in part because it's such a deep subject and we're running out of time but uh yeah okay cool so i think that that sums up at least a little bit about what the game master can do with this content um just to kind of really wrap it all together to I would like to give everybody some benefits that this does um, obviously I think you know if, if you have these short-term objectives and you're presenting them to your game master 
one of the big benefits is that your character is going to be more integrated into the main plot of the game if they aren't already. Yeah, that's a like it's a given. no question. Yeah. That's a, that's a given because like, and I can say from personal experience, I have some players that do that, and I want to make the story about them, where the ones that don't usually fall in the background, and that might be okay for certain players. They don't want to be the focus. But if you want to develop your character and see where it can go, I think this is how you integrate your character into the plot, into the story, and really uh, work all of this together. And another thing, it, it's just fun. I don't. Uh, I like role playing games because not only because I like playing them, but also I like thinking about them when I'm not playing them. Like I rarely play. I don't know, like a video game like Vermintide. Uh, and be like, oh, what am I? What am I going to do next time I play Vermintide? I don't know what choice I'll make. Like, I'm not really thinking about it when I'm not playing it. Well, with role playing game, I'm constantly thinking of the next time as a player or as a game master. So this is this might be a good way for you to focus what you're thinking about and not just be like, oh, I'm looking forward. Yeah, but what are you going to make? With your, like, what are you going to do with your character? What do you want to accomplish with what's going on in the story? Yeah. And it might make you enjoy roleplay a lot more too, right? I know a lot of people tell me they don't like roleplay because they don't like being put on the spot. They don't like having to make a decision, like a, a snap decision. Well, if you have this short-term objective, you can kind of educate your roleplay because you're directing it towards something. And it's going to feel a lot less improvised because you, you gave it some thought. And who knows? Maybe you'll you'll like role play after all of this is said and done. Um, so there's that. Obviously, another thing is that it allows your character to be more dynamic. If you're just playing the same character that's never evolving, never changing, and your bonds and flaws have stayed the same for 15 games, odds are that that character is going to start to feel a little bit stale. So this gives you an opportunity to continuously revisit those elements of your character and evolve it for the better. Yeah, and, and you, you get to control a little bit more what's the future of your character. It's not just in the hand of the game master and what's going to happen. You get to, I don't want to say dictate, but like orient the story a little bit. And a bit like we said at the beginning, I think it's more interesting because it's more interesting to focus on what you want to accomplish and what you happened to you in the past. and Because the future of your character should be more interesting than what happened in the past, right? Otherwise, you would play the, the past event. I think a, a common mistake for new players is to have a background that's like, I was the son of a, uh, a king, and I got betrayed, and then I killed uh, in the army of the orcs, I, and then I saved the princess, and blah, 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 and then we start level one. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's like, like, why don't we play the other story you just wrote in your backstory, right? Why, why don't we start when you got betrayed and that's your level one and going through that is actually the adventure, is the future you want to have. Well, maybe you're like, well, but I don't know if the Game Master is going to do it. Well, that's why you have short-term and long-term objective. It's to go through that. Yeah, it, it, it makes the game the interesting part, right? And that's, that's the whole point, really. Uh, so I think that some of the benefits, obviously there are more, I think that this kind of preparation bleeds into not only roleplay, but other elements of the game. But let's not get too much into that, again, because of, because of the time, unfortunately, and because I think it could be an interesting conversation for another day. Um, so I, I think that wraps it all up. So quickly to summarize what we talked about today, is we talked about 
have how players should probably think about their character's future more than their character's past. They can do that by setting themselves a long-term objective, which is something that they're going to hopefully aim to realize or, or push their character towards over the course of the next 10 to 25 games. And then that is subdivided into short-term objectives. So you can think of what's the next step I need to take to get to that long-term goal. And each time you take a step towards it, you reevaluate if that long-term goal is still accurate based on the circumstances that your character finds themselves in. You can also and evolve your character a little bit each step of the way. Yeah, and after you, that that's really for the player. And keep in mind that vocalizing this to the other players will have value and mainly to your game master, which can then use that to, to build cool story arc. And another thing to mention, uh, we're going to develop, like, work on this idea of how do you use that for your role play, uh, and that's related to what we'll call preluding, uh, doing motivation role play and being gift giving. We mentioned it a little bit, but this is like you need those objectives in order to use those advanced role play techniques. Yeah, and and those are going to be cool episodes. I'm really looking forward yeah. to those. Um, and if that's something that you guys listening think could be interesting, feel free to, to send us an email or reach out to us on Twitter uh, and tell us that, you know, hey, I really want to hear this. I really want to hear about preluding, how, how a player can prelude and set up the emotional foreshadowing of a future event in their game. And, and that could be something that interests you, perhaps. And if it does, let us know so that we can focus on that first. Um, no promises that that'll be our next episode, but it will it can certainly be, you know, depending on which ones you guys pick, if you do, that might be the, the first one we decide to address in the future. So you can reach out to us. That was a really convoluted way of saying. You can reach out to us on Twitter. That's at role underscore play underscore chat. Or an email that's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. <laughs> and I think that's a pretty good foundation of what kind of things people can do when they set their objectives. Isn't it, Chris? It is, Matt. Let's call it a chat. <laughs>